0: You are listening to the Survived to Thrive podcast with Amy Miller, a podcast for survivors of suicide loss. In this weekly podcast, you will learn more about your unique experiences and gain insights on your brain and how it processes grief and loss due to a loved one's suicide. While suicide grief comes in all shapes and sizes, Amy shows you that you still can have a life full of joy and fulfillment even though your loved one died. You don't have to just survive anymore. You can thrive. You are listening to the Survive to
1: Thrive podcast with Amy Miller, episode 45, Suicide Prevention. Hey there. How is everyone? Welcome, welcome. It is September. And unless you are living underneath a rock you should all be aware that September is suicide awareness prevention month and I think it's really fantastic that we set aside a month every year to really think about suicide prevention and to really spread awareness to suicide related loss and I think it's super important This year, Suicide Awareness Week is this week and Suicide Awareness Day is September 10th. And I just think it's so fantastic that we spend these days and weeks and months to really highlight and to spread more awareness about suicide. And I think it's super, super important. So the World Health Organization says that there are over 700,000 suicides related deaths per year worldwide. It is just astounding to me that it is that large of an issue, that there are that many people who die by suicide in a on a yearly basis. And they also say on the World Health Organization site that there usually is likely about 20 attempts prior to the final death. And it's really interesting to me because it's just shows me that when you have that many attempts prior to your loss, that is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for prevention. And I think it's so fantastic that we can spend a month to really look at prevention and think about it more and look for ways that we can help participate in prevention of suicide loss. So I think it's really fantastic. So before we really get into the ways that we as suicide loss survivors can participate in suicide prevention month, I really want to talk about a few stumbling blocks that suicide loss survivors find themselves in when we have already lost a loved one, right? Because when we're talking about prevention, I think the majority of us recognize that preventative peace is no longer available to us, right? That particular piece has no longer come a strategy. It's not a strategy that we can use, right, to help change the outcome of the loss that we have had. And it's a struggle for a lot of us suicide loss survivors, because if we could change anything, we would change that. We would change that event. If there was any possible way that we could potentially have our loved one back, we would do it in two seconds. There's no doubt. And so when we're really spending time in thinking about prevention and the impossibility of it in our own situation, it can be very conflicting, right? Because while we really want to be able to emphasize prevention to prevent Future losses within our own families or just amongst our peers or amongst our communities or whoever we're with or trying to bring awareness to, as much as that's fantastic, it still doesn't change the fact that we were able to prevent the loss of our loved one, right? And this is really challenging. It's very conflicting for a lot of survivors because they spend a lot of time in the past and wondering if in their suicide-related rela- loss, they could have done something different. So we, as suicide loss survivors, have a tendency to blame ourselves for either missing the signs or not recognizing them at all. And this is something that I really want to caution you from doing, okay? Okay. Because as this is something that I like to talk about simply because so many suicide loss survivors deal with this after their loss, but they have a tendency to really overanalyze the situation, right? They're really searching for some answers, right? And that they have a tendency to blame themselves or to blame others for contributing towards their loss whether directly or indirectly and they have a tendency to shift the blame to some external circumstances and so they really spend a lot of time and effort and energy really going there and what I want to say about that is it is Absolutely and a hundred percent extremely exhausting and unproductive, okay? Now, I'm not saying this really to shame you from doing that or being there, but I want you to be aware of that, okay? To be aware of how much energy you're spending, right, in these thought loops of analyzing and blame and searching for answers, because the truth is, that even if you find out everything you want to know if you find out that your exes your brother's ex totally talked him into it or whatever it's not gonna bring any comfort okay it's not gonna bring any solace it's not gonna bring any peace in fact it's just gonna make it feel worse right and so it's really not really in our best interest to spend a lot of time there. However, our brains like to, okay? And here's why. Our brains need to make sense of the things that have happened in our lives. It has just this tendency to go there, right? It just has this tendency to find resolution, to find resolve and when there is no resolution and when there's no resolve, our brains don't like it. The other piece to this is because if we're able to blame either somebody else or blame ourselves or bra- blame the circumstance our loved one is, right, it gives us a false sense of power and control over the situation, right? Because we think that if you would have just said the right thing, or if you would have done the right thing, or maybe you're thinking to yourself, if only I had called more or done more or checked in more or called the therapist or checked them into the mental hospital or whatever it is, right? We think in some small way that we could change the outcome. But here's the brutal truth. The brutal truth is the outcome is still the same. So why do we spend so much time going back to the past, analyzing, playing the what if game, right? Blaming ourselves, blaming others when it's not going to change the outcome, right? And so when you really look at it that way, it makes you question, how much time you're spending there. And I think it's important, it's really important. Okay, with all of that said, here is the way I like to look at it and the way I like to coach my clients when they're really struggling with getting stuck in these thought loops, okay? And here's the phrase I like for them to think about, and that is preventing the suicide that has already happened is not possible okay i'm going to say that one more time preventing the suicide that has already happened is not possible okay now i want you to really hold on to that for a minute okay because i want to explain to you as why this is true okay as a coach i talk a lot About how there are circumstances and there are stories and thoughts. Okay. And as a coach, I really help people organize and to make sense of what they feel is their reality, right? And to be able to separate the circumstances from their thoughts and their stories. Okay, in order to do, we have to understand what circumstances are. Okay. Circumstances are facts. They can be proven in a court of law. Okay. So if you were in front of a judge or a jury, they would all agree that whatever that is that you're trying to prove is true. Okay. So for example, some of the things I would put in this category as a circumstance are things like words people say okay it's what they've said it could be easily proven people would all agree right it wouldn't be hard to prove it would be something most people would accept okay another thing is like relationships we are in okay for example i am married okay I think most people would agree. It's something I could prove in the court of law. I have documentation. I have witnesses. I have everything I need in order to prove that I am married and most people would agree. Okay. Or for example, I have two daughters and one son, right? And that is something that I could prove in the court of law. I could show my son or my daughter. To the court, to the jury, I could show their birth certificates. I could, sh- I'd have documentation. I have all the things that would prove that I have two daughters and one son. And most people would agree. Okay. Another thing that would be considered a circumstance is past events that have happened, right? So things that have happened in your past, okay, are circumstances. Okay, for example, I won first place in a state debate competition as a senior in high school. Okay, that would be something that I could prove in the court of law in front of a judge and jury, and they would accept it. Okay, because it's a fact. Okay, another example is my sister died by suicide. Okay, that would be considered a fact. All of that could be proven. There's documentation. There were investigators that found her. There was somebody else that had found her that saw the manner in which she died. And the autopsy reports and everything that has been documented and investigated leans towards the fact that my sister died by suicide. So this is something that everybody would agree upon. Okay. Now. Because we are human, we tend to spend a great deal of time in our minds creating a story or having beliefs and having thoughts about our circumstances, right? And when it comes to our losses, if we spend time in wondering how we could have prevented our loss, it is only, and I'm em- emphasizing the word only, It is only useful if we're using it to help us become more aware for future prevention for someone else. But spending too much time in how you could have prevented the loss, right, is just too much energy and creates too much unnecessary negative emotions. Okay, so now with all that said, is suicide death preventable? The answer to this question is absolutely a hundred percent unequivocally yes. Okay. And that is why the World Health Organization and the National Institute of Mental Health and the American Foundation of, for Suicide Prevention spends a great deal of time and money and resources and set aside September as suicide awareness month, right? And it serves as a catalyst to spread awareness and highlight suicide loss and prevention, right? Because we have this month and because we have this week and because we have this day, we as survivors of suicide loss have been afforded an opportunity to help spread the awareness and to hopefully play a role in prevention in some way or some capacity, okay? Now, first off, As I said before, we have to let go that we could have prevented the loss of our loved one, right, in the past. So when I'm speaking about bringing awareness and spreading awareness with hopes to prevent suicide related loss, I'm speaking to future suicide related loss for either those that we care about or for loved ones who may have someone in their own lives that could be struggling with suicide thoughts or suicide ideation or that sort of thing, okay? So here are some simple ways that we can spread awareness this month, okay? The first one is just to learn the warning signs, okay? I think this is super important to do, okay? Now, if you go to the National Association of Suicide Prevention, they have a list on their website. They also have other lists on different other websites. I believe the World Health Organization also has one. So I think when if you can just Google some of the signs, it's really useful and helpful to familiarize with those signs because if we know those signs, We can share those signs with others. And I think it's important to have a good, solid knowledge of warning signs for those who may be either in immediate risk or not so immediate risk, okay? And to really understand the differences, okay? The next thing, another simple way for us to really help with suicide awareness is to Learn the correct terminology, okay? This really means to be conscientious of the terminology that we are using, the words that we are saying when we are talking about suicide-related loss, okay? We really need to educate ourselves and learn the differences between and the terminology around suicide attempt. And suicidal ideation. I think it's very important to do this. And this is very Googleable, and I highly recommend that you do that. But one thing I do want to emphasize is being very mindful of the phrases that we use. One in sp- that comes to my mind is using the phrase died by suicide instead of using the frame the phrase committed suicide or completed suicide, okay? Excuse me. A lot of people are learning that getting away from the word committed is very useful because it helps to eliminate some of the stigma related to suicide, right? Because when we're saying the word committed, That word is usually associated with either sin, like committing a sin or committing a crime. And I think that when we're saying the word committed suicide, it is really unsettling for survivors, right? So I always highly recommend that we move away from using the word committed. Another word that I always recommend walking away from or moving from is the word completed. Okay. Because completed usually is associated with finishing something, right? Like when I think of the word completed, I think I've completed my first marathon or I've completed that large project or I've completed my homework or my housework or my to-do list, right? And it's like something that's in my mind is more related to doing something positive, right? And as we know that Suicide is not a positive thing, right? So I feel like moving away from that word is also important. So the word died by is the one that's generally accepted by professionals and healthcare professionals and psychiatrists and psychologists and grief support groups and anything that is related to suicide related loss. The word died by is what's generally accepted because it's very simplistic in its meaning. We all understand it and it's very factual. And so I think just learning the correct terminology is a fantastic way to help bring awareness to suicide uh, prevention. Okay. Another thing that I think is really good for us to learn is the statistics okay there are so many statistics when it comes to suicide related loss there's statistics when we're speaking to different age groups gender there's also statistics related to methods and things of that nature i think it would be a fantastic way to help spread awareness is to be educated on those statistics And be willing to share those statistics with others so that you can advocate for more awareness. Another thing that I always think is a fantastic way to bring more awareness is to advocate prevention by learning effective ways to reduce suicide. Okay. Now I'm speaking to like either advocating for nonprofit groups or for programs or for therapists or coaches or different health care experts and things of that nature because we're all aware that when it comes to successful suicide prevention there is generally a culmination of a number of factors related to the prevention and I think it's really a great idea to learn what those are and to be aware of them and to advocate for them, okay? Now the last thing and the fifth thing that I suggest or recommend that you could do during Suicide Prevention Month is really just to share your own personal story of your loss. Now I know there's so many of you that really feel apprehensive About sharing your story. And listen, I get that because I know I was there at one point. It was really hard for me to share that with others. There was a great deal of shame related to that type of loss. And frankly, at the time, it was a real challenge for me to even utter the words, right? But as time went on, I became more comfortable with sharing the truth and to share my story and as I did I found that I wasn't so alone in it that there were so many other people that I would have never guessed who experienced such a significant loss in the way that I did and I would have never known that had I not shared my story it also Inspires others, right? When you're able to be vulnerable and share the experience that you have experienced with others, it inspires them to take more action, to do what they can to help in the prevention piece of it, to be more aware of those that they know and be more aware of the signs and be educated more. Another piece to that is. Sometimes when you're sharing your story with others, you might impact someone who struggles with suicidal thoughts for themselves. And hearing your own story and the pain that you've experienced from experiencing that type of trauma helps to bring them more awareness of suicide-related loss and what that potentially could mean for their own loved ones. So I think sharing your story is a fantastic way to bring awareness. And I know so many people struggle with that, and that's okay if you don't want to do it. But I highly recommend it because not only is it so impactful for others, but it's also very healing for ourselves. So I highly suggest it. So that's it my friends for today i'm so thankful for you all and for listening and for being willing to think about suicide prevention and to potentially be willing to share your stories and just to get information out there and if we all just do our little part in contributing in this month of suicide prevention we can really make some difference in the lives of others. And so I highly recommend you doing that. All right, my friends,
0: that's it. I hope you have a great week. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Survived to Thrive podcast. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends and write a review on iTunes. Also, check out survived 2 thrive.com for more information and to subscribe to get the podcast's latest episode, along with useful tips you can begin to use immediately to feel better, directly sent to your inbox.